Good morning, everyone. Uh, welcome to the San Francisco Board of Supervisors, uh, City Operations and Neighborhood Services uh, Committee. Um, this is a special meeting uh, of the committee with one agenda item. Uh, I'm Supervisor Scott Weiner. I am the acting chair of the committee sitting in for Supervisor Sean Ellsburns. Uh, to my right is uh, uh, acting vice chair, uh, Supervisor Jane Kim, who is sitting in for Supervisor Carmen Chu. Uh, the other member of the committee, Supervisor Christina Olagi, uh, will be joining us uh, shortly. Uh, also joining us today is Supervisor uh, David uh, Campos. Um, our clerk today is Derek Evans, and I want to thank SFGTV, um, uh, Jesse Larson, and Charles Kremenek uh, for uh, the broadcast of today's uh, meeting. Uh, Mr. Clerk, are there any announcements? Thank you, Mr. Chair. Please make sure to sign us all cell phones and electronic devices. Completed speaker cards and copies of any documents to be included as part of the file should be submitted to the clerk. Items acted upon today will appear on the July 31st, 2012 Board of Supervisors agenda unless otherwise stated. Thank you. Um, and uh, will you call item number one, please? Item number one, resolution determining the transfer of type 48 on sale general public premises liquor license from 2716th Street to 398 12th Street to Mark E. Rennie for Double Rainbow LLC, DBA Roadhouse Tavern. Uh, thank you very much. And uh, Supervisor Campos, I'll recognize you in a second. Supervisor Kim, since this license is in District 6, do you have any opening remarks you'd like to make? Yes, sure. Um, I, I do want to thank all the members of the public for being here today. Um, it's not always that we get uh, so many members of the public interested in a liquor license transfer. And I just want to acknowledge... <laughs> I, I, I do want to acknowledge the significance of the site, and I think that's why many of you are here today. And, um, you know, pr previous to even the Castro, uh, Western Soma was, oft, uh, was considered a hub for the LGBT community. And even in the West Soma plan that will be coming before the board um, in the following year, uh, it was one of the legacies and histories that was identified as important to preserve and protect um, in this neighborhood. And the Eagle... Uh, in particular, was actually um, identified as a site uh, to, be uh, to, to be preserved in, ter in terms of its historical significance um, in this neighborhood. And so I understand kind of the concern and, and of course, the incredible uh, amount of support that has come out in support of the Eagle since it closed um, a year and a half ago. And I know that Supervisor Weiner and Supervisor Campos were also there um, for several of the meetings and, of course, the last beer bust um, that took place along with myself. Um, the, the issue that is before us today, of course, is a liquor license transfer, um, which, is a, which is a little bit different than kind of the issue of the preservation and protection of the site. Um, and I know that many of you will be here speaking specifically um, to that. But I, I did want to acknowledge that before we move forward. I do have a number of questions uh, regard, regarding this transfer, and I will, um, I will wait to do that after um, Supervisor Campos and Supervisor Wiener speaks. But thank you, Chair. Thank you, Supervisor Kim. Supervisor Campos. Thank you. Uh, good morning, everyone, and thank you for taking time out of your busy schedules to be here in City Hall at a 9 a.m. hearing. Uh, let me say that I've had a number of questions about uh, this whole process that's been followed with respect to the item before us. I have to say that I'm a little bit uh, sort of at a loss for words this morning. You know, I was asked uh, to sit in for one of the supervisors uh, that is on this committee that could not be here today. And so we rearranged our schedule and prepared for the hearing, and we just learned that, in fact, uh, I am not uh, appointed to this committee, and it's an interesting thing to see. Uh, but be that as it may, even if it is the case that perhaps some people don't want me to be sitting here, uh, I will be here uh, for the remainder of this proceeding. Uh, 
because I think that this is a very important matter, uh, one that really goes to uh, the heart of, I think, who we are as a city. And so I look forward to the, the presentation. Thank you. Uh, thank you very much, colleagues. Uh, I just want to make a couple of remarks um, at the uh, beginning. Um, <clears throat> you know, I think that not just the turnout today, but the level of interest uh, uh, in this issue through emails and uh, on Facebook and, and elsewhere shows uh, uh, the importance of the Eagle as an institution that people uh, in this community care um, about uh, the Eagle. Um, I've been a consistent supporter um, of the Eagle having been a patron there, but um, in addition, uh, when it first looked like the Eagle might close, I still remember vividly uh, being at the Skylark with, at the sit-in with, uh, with my predecessor supervisor, Duffy, and many members uh, of the community. Um, we had a protest uh, on the steps of City Hall, and I recall Supervisor Campos being there, Supervisor Kim. Um, I think uh, Supervisor Kim and I have become serial letter writers uh, about uh, the Eagle and have written to ABC and SFPD and to the property owner and anyone else who will listen uh, over time uh, because of our shared desire uh, to not let the Eagle uh, go. Um, but despite many of our uh, best efforts, a little over a year ago, the Eagle uh, did in fact uh, close and, and, and did in fact close and has been closed for over a year. Um, there are, uh, I think, a number of factors that led to the closure, and I know there has been a lot of debate over time about why the Eagle uh, closed and who was uh, responsible, and I won't get into um, all of uh, to that uh, ongoing uh, debate. Uh, but the fact is that none of us wanted it to happen, but it happened and it closed. Several months ago, uh, several uh, buyers uh, in the community who desired to reopen the Eagle approached me and approached Supervisor Kim, um, and to get our support, we met with them, um, and we did, in fact, uh, support their uh, bid to lease and reopen the Eagle, even writing another of our serial letters to the, uh, to the owner of the property, asking him to give uh, full consideration uh, to the offer. Um, and, uh, but for reasons that, you know, I'm not the owner, so um, the, uh, a lease was signed with other uh, mm -hmm. owners and uh, uh, the owner of the property made that uh, decision. Um, so we are here today um, not because the board has the power to rewrite leases or to uh, instruct property owners to whom they have to lease property. We're here today uh, to uh, talk about the transfer of the liquor license, and I'm sure we'll get into uh, the standards uh, governing liquor license transfers uh, over the course of the hearing. So uh, with that, um, I'd first like to ask. Excuse me, Supervisor, I'd like to add something. Uh, yes, Supervisor Campos. Thank you, thank you. Uh, I didn't know that we were going into some of the, the history of why we're here, uh, uh, and I appreciate the, the, what Supervisor Wiener said. But I do want to make something very clear, and I think that one of the, it's, it really goes to the elephant in the room, uh, which is why we have so many people here uh, today, and we have received so many emails uh, in the last uh, couple of weeks. The reality is that even though we don't have control over how property owners decide to lease properties, we do have the ultimate say under the law on uh, a transfer of a license, at least in terms of providing a recommendation to, to ABC. And, and the threshold question for us is whether or not the transfer, transfer will serve the public convenience or necessity. 
That is the, the underlying question that's before this, this Board of Supervisors today. And to me, that's a broad issue. That's a broad question. And the, the fact that, that you have people here today is because there are many people in the LGBT community who rightly believe that this landlord has not negotiated in good faith with the LGBT community. And that to me is, uh, is a, a question, and I don't know the answer to that, but it's a question that goes to the very heart of this matter, and that's something that I'm going to be looking at as we're uh, hearing from the different parties. Uh, because to me, the, the threshold question of necessity and convenience uh, uh, does implicate the issue of whether or not someone is dealing with community in good faith. So thank you. Thank you, colleagues. Any other preliminary comments? Okay, with that, I'd like to uh, invite Inspector Lazar from the San Francisco Police Department to come up. And I, I will note that um, there was a previous hearing um, on uh, this license, and SFPD did uh, present, um, and there was a report, but I do want to give uh, the department an opportunity to make comments. I don't think your mic is on. Oh, we're turning the mic on now. Hello. Good morning. Good morning, supervisors, members of the public. I'm Inspector Julie Lazar on behalf of the San Francisco Police Department. Um, this report was submitted and presented to the committee July 9th, uh, 2012. And in the findings of that report, with ABC, there were no records of protests and no records of support. Um, and Southern Station had no opposition. And our unit recommended approval and the following conditions were submitted to ABC with that. And that's our statement. Thank you. Uh, colleagues, any questions? Uh, Supervisor Kim and then. I do. And I'm not sure actually if this is um, a question that I would direct to SFPD or if this would go to the ABC license. So our office did a little bit of research on the initiating um, um, address for the transfer, mm -hmm. um, which was which is the Dear Mom Bar, um, formerly El Rincon Salsa, Salsa Club. And the LCC that actually runs the bar and owns the license is called Beard and Mustaches. Um, we called ABC, and the current liquor license on file for Beard and Mustaches at that address is a 47, not a 48. Um, the agenda item here before us says that this is a resolution determining that the, prem uh, that the premises to premises transfer of a type 48 on sale general public premises liquor license to this address. Um, you know, that's, that's the issue before us. Right. But can we transfer a 48 license when there is none? That actually is a question that ABC would have to address to you because we okay. don't have that at all. Have you, and have you ever seen anything like that not before? At all. The information we gathered from ABC was it was a person-to-person, premise-to-premise type 48. That they okay, were so not if it's bringing a, in another license. So if it's a premise to premise, it has to be a 47. Then, if that is what they again, own. clarification would have to come from ABC. Okay. So in our in our and, and there's no one from ABC at this <coughs> at this meeting. Sorry, I don't usually sit on cons, um, but that was um, what we had learned when we had contacted ABC was that they owned a 47 license. In that case, what would happen in this situation when we have a transfer that um, is false, basically, or has the wrong license number on it. 
Again, that would be with ABC because the license belongs to them and they would make the ultimate decision. Okay, can we transfer a license that doesn't exist? I'm sorry, transfer a license that does not exist? If, if it is that um, this address <coughs> does not have a 48 license, can we transfer a 48 license to this address? That would be a question that ABC would have to answer. Okay, thank you. Supervisor Campos. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you for being here. And my questions have to do with the point that Supervisor Kim just raised. Because I, I have to say that uh, based on our own independent research, we also found out that the license that's being transferred is a 47 license as opposed to a 48. So before we do that, you know, there are many, many members of the public here, people watching. Can you, exp can you maybe for purposes, for the benefit of people watching who are here, what's the difference between a 47 license and a 48 license? A 47 license is a license to sell beer, wine, and distilled spirits. Miners are allowed, and generally those are restaurants that where the alcohol is being served, and miners are allowed. A 48 is basically a bar where you're selling beer, wine, distilled spirits, and miners are not allowed. That's the simple explanation. And to me, that is a very uh, significant difference between a 47 license and a 48 license. And one of the things that I'm bothered by as we're considering this is that uh, unless I missed it, I don't see anything in the record in the documents provided to us by the police department or any other agency that actually points to the fact that we may be talking about a 47 license. I is there anything of that either, sir? So, so my question is, how thoroughly was this matter vetted, investigated? If you know we're coming here before the committee, and and it turns out that we may be talking about a 47 license, and yet nothing in what was presented to to the board actually shows that. I agree, and the information that the police department received from ABC was that this was a type 48 liquor license. So what kind of investigation did you guys do to verify what, that? What we do is we look at the uh, census track and we look for our uh, crimes in the area and we also look for um, concentration. And those are what we report to the board. Do you have a copy of the license? Do you look at the license itself? The actual application of the yeah. license? Yes. And in the, in the application, it doesn't say anything about a 47? It does not. And it may have been submitted in error, and it would have to be clarified. And, and again, you know, that, that is very disturbing to me, because I would, I would hope that before the board is asked to act on something like this, that, that there is a, a very complete and thorough vetting of the entire application, so that you avoid a situation that right on before the meeting, you're actually realizing, finding out that you may be talking about two different kinds of licenses because the transfer of a 47 license to a 48 establishment not only raises issues about that specific establishment, but there are larger policy questions right. that go into it. So, I mean, I don't, is it that the ABC just didn't give you the information? Is that probably what happened here? I would have to look through my file and verify that information, but again, the information that we get, gather from them is forthcoming and thorough. So if there was an error in a part, I, I wouldn't know where that would be. So following up on the question that Supervisor Kim uh, 
uh, asked, uh, to your knowledge, has there ever been a transfer of a 47 license to a 48? Not to my knowledge, but again, you know, I'm one person in the unit. Okay. okay. It could have happened. Okay. And uh, would the recommendation be different if you had known that it was a 47 license as opposed to a 48? There were other questions that would be asked, but I don't know if it would be different. And, and what are the kinds of questions that you would have asked? Well, again, if it's a restaurant, restaurants have to have full uh, cooking, they have chefs, they have stoves, they have the refrigeration, other kinds of issues. Those weren't, if that was the case, that would have been asked in here. So again, there was no record of it. Did you interview the, the applicants in, before you made your recommendation? This, this particular file was uh, initiated by a previous inspector and was picked up by me. So there was a bunch of people. It could have been asked, yes, but not by me. So normally, when, before you bring something like this to the Board of Supervisors, so you get the documentation from ABC, do you actually sit down with the applicants and ask any questions yes. or interview them? Yes. So did that happen here? It may have been by other inspectors, but not by me. Okay. So you did not do that. And is there anything in your files that actually confirms that that actually happened? There was an interview, there were, and I'm not sure if it was the current applicants, but a site inspection was conducted in 2011, yes. And there was, a sh the, uh, what was found was we did a walkthrough of the premise and it was actually a bar prior and it was going to be a bar again. Did not say anything in my, in my notes and in my records did not say anything of the other. But in terms of the, the, the committee today having uh, certainty that, in fact, that interview took place, there's nothing in your files that, that verifies that. It may have happened, but there's nothing verifying it. Right, because I, I don't know specific conversations between people. I only know conversations that I have and documentation that there was a site inspection. Again, I think that, that the issues that are usually implicated with this kind of transfer are pretty serious issues. And, and I think that as a matter of practice, if it makes sense uh, for your department to actually, you know, uh, have that interview and come to the committee with verification that the interview took place, because I think that there's one thing about gleaning information from a document that there is another about uh, really sitting down with the applicant and, and, and really having that thorough vetting, if you will. Okay, thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Campos. Um, anything else? No. Thank you, Inspector. Um, uh, given the issues that have just been raised, I'd like to ask uh, the attorney uh, for the applicant, Mark Rennie, to come up and to uh, address and clarify. Uh, yes, Mr. Weiner, uh, supervisors. My name is Mark Rennie. I represent. Uh, Mr. Rennie, before you start, I just want to make one point. For members of the public who want to make public comment, yeah. um, there are yellow cards up there. Just <coughs> please make sure to fill one out and submit it so that we have your name and I can call you. I'm sorry, Mr. Rennie. Yes, um, I did send a email that explained the conversion process a little bit yesterday to Supervisor Kim and Supervisor Weiner. I know, in fact, that Mr. Weiner read the email, but I have uh, asked Derek to put it as a, a part of the permanent record, which is my response to the protest from um, South Market Business Association. I have, I have in front of me, and I wish to enter into the record, the ABC, ABC's official uh, license query system 
the uh, double rainbow LLC application or the LLC pending license, which shows it as a type 48. And um, if I could have the if I could have the overhead, uh, the license was transferred on. It doesn't have a date yet, but it's coming from 47-382816. So clearly, the ABC. Do you have a copy of that? By yes, it, it will go into the record, and I'll hand I'll put it around. Uh, so to get back to what is the 2816 license, that is uh, uh, Vimla Inc., which came from 16th and Harrison. This is moving over to 12th and Harrison. But that is 382816. Now, the website was down. I was trying to get up a copy of the, the uh, two, uh, I believe it's the 219 form, but there's an ABC form. Any license that is a 47 or 48, can be converted for, for the cost of $100 at the time of transfer. Now, there's people in the audience who I believe, uh, Pete Glickstern was uh, just up there, and I believe he has converted 47s to 48, and he can testify that this happens all the time. But it's a $100 fee. It's called a conversion. So what happened in this particular instance was the license that was available at that time was a Type 47 that was at 16th and um, Harrison and uh, at El Rincon. The license was purchased at the time of the at the time of the ABC application. There was an extra hundred dollar fee charge called a conversion, so it converted into a 48, and, <clears throat> and that's how we have a 48. Now, this there was also some question in the um, South and Market Business Association protest, which you should have received, and I don't know if Mr. Weiner got it, but I do have it on my iPad. There was a letter that went out this morning from the. Uh, from the South and Market Business Association with withdrawing their protest after they found more information. So they withdrew their protest. Um, okay. If I will be, here are the, the, the license documents if you want to look at them, but they're in yellow. Mr. Renner, are you, are you done? Or are you? I'm not done with my presentation, but I'm done with. Uh, there was a question, correct, to, through the chair? Yes, you okay. can you can continue if you have more to say. Uh, on this particular matter, I do not. But if you'd like, I can get Rose Meyer, who's the licensing supervisor, on the phone. We can put her on speakerphone, and she can explain it also. Or Cherie, who's the head of uh, head of the front counter that takes license applications. Okay, if you want to try to do that, uh, we can do that. Um, well, I would say, though, if I may, yeah. I mean, I think that if someone is going to pre prevent inf pre present information here today, I think that they should come out and do it, in, uh, you know, in person. I mean, I, I, I think it's uh, we want to have thorough, uh, a thorough discussion, and uh, I think that we owe that to the public. Okay. I would like to object because I think that what we're here today is does this particular license serve the public convenient necessity of the citizens of the city and county of San Francisco. It doesn't happen to do with does the ABC have a certain process or doesn't it have a certain process, and I think we're getting far afield of what the actual issue before the chair is. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Rennie. Okay, um, and are there, are there any additional public comment cards? Yeah, what you've... Okay. Um, so I'm going to... Uh, uh, 
start calling members of the public to make public comment. Uh, public comment will be limited to uh, two minutes. Uh, the way it works is um, when uh, we have, when we hit, when you have 30 seconds left, you'll hear a soft bell. When you hear a louder bell, that means that your time is up. Um, if a member of the committee has a question for you, that can extend uh, your time. Um, so I'm going to call uh, uh, folks up. Um, and if you would please uh, uh, line up and so you can follow uh, one after uh, another. Um, I'd like to start, oh, thank you, with uh, uh, Eli, and, and I apologize in advance for butchering all the names that I'm going to butcher, some of which result from handwriting issues. Um, Eli Spear, um, Rebecca Barth, uh, Anderson Pugash, Audrey Joseph, uh, you can start lining up. Uh, Megan Mygat, uh, Pete um, Glickstern, Chris Foote, Dylan Sirota, and Terrence Allen. Uh, if you could please line up. Doesn't matter if you're in the exact order. Um, go ahead. Good morning. My name is Eli. Um, first, I want to just thank you guys for taking the time to come in on Monday morning and thank everybody else, too. Um, I'll be the general contractor and one of the owners of 398 12th Street. Um, I'm a general contractor. I'm a builder. I'm an artist. Um, it's, it's pretty special to me that this is happening. Um, I don't take it lightly. Um, you know, if this goes through, we're going to inherit a space that has 30 years of supreme importance to a lot of the members of this community, and it's going to have a lot of importance to members of the community going forward. Um, my understanding is that there's not going to be an eagle again. It's not, there's no motorcycles hanging from the ceiling. There's no black paint. Um, my understanding, though, that the traditions and the legacy of the eagle can continue in one form or another, and if we're going to take the space over, we're happy to do that. You know, there's a really high bar set for fundraising and for community outreach by the Eagle. It's 30 years of legacy. We're, we're more than willing to and excited to continue that, right? I mean, what a better place to get than one that has a tradition of philanthropy, right? In addition, the Eagle Tavern has been known as, you know, a linchpin to the music scene. Right? What, what better place to inherit than a place that has that tradition? You know, and lastly, you know, how to honor and, and continue the knowledge and the history of that space. You know, as the designer and a builder, I, I'm going to turn to you guys, and, and we're going to have to do it together, right? I mean, it's not going to be just a plaque. So if, you know, this goes forward and, and I am responsible for shepherding this space forward, it's really going to be about continuing the philanthropy and continuing the music and making it open to as many people as possible. And there's a tradition that we have to. Get. I mean, that's, I do have that's a it. Thank, thank you, Supervisor Kim. Has a question for you. And, and this question might be more appropriate for Mr. Pugash, but if it is true that you are committed to um, the historical significance of the site, why is it that there is no outreach that was done to the community that is sitting here today? Well, that's, that's an outstanding question and a real flaw in this whole process. I mean, basically, we didn't know we were going to get that space until three weeks ago. There was, you know, it, it was a deal, right? It's a business deal. The landlord is looking for the best 
proprietors for that space. Somebody else was at the forefront. You know, I'd sort of gotten to know the landlord, and eventually that deal fell through, and he turned to, to our team and said, hey, guys, you know, we need this money now, and you guys are more than qualified, you know, as builders and as operators. It's your shot. And literally it happened immediately. And so, I mean, on a personal level, I had to reach out to all, all my communities and say, guys, am I, am I capable of, of having this space, right? Like uncles who have flown in for, you know, the last 30 years to visit the Eagle look at me and like, are you capable of operating such an important place? And, you know, the, the rock and roll scene, all those things. I mean, so I reached out immediately just to make sure that people were going to support me. And then now this is happening. And so to be honest with you, this, this is our first outreach. I mean, I've met with, you know, Anaconda and Terrence Allen and because those opportunities have been put in front of me, but I mean, it's all happened very quickly. So, um, yes, uh, the reason is, there, I, I, I mean, it happened so fast. And, and it's not my intention to not do that or to exclude by any stretch of the imagination. So, I mean, I wish my back wasn't to this group right now. So that I could, you know, I wish my back wasn't to this group right now. And I'm hoping if, if this goes the right way that we can work together, right? I mean, it's, it's that or condos, you know? And so if, if it's, if it's going to be, if it's going to be a bar, let's continue to make one with a special patio and a special rock and roll scene and one where we can all share these stories. And I'm ready to hear them, you know, and I'm ready to support them and I'm ready to make great art and put on an RFP and, and memorialize it. I mean, if you guys want to continue like charity themed drinking events or, you know, drinking themed charity events, like um, we're all in, like it's no, I mean, the Castro Lions, whoever, whoever was benefiting from this and is losing that revenue, like we're, I'm happy to continue that. So I'm sorry, I was curious about your statement. It's either the Circondos. I mean, do that's you, my Do you know what this uh, site is zoned for, Parcel? No, I mean, okay. I mean, I guess maybe that's a little dramatic, but like my understanding okay. is that like it's, it, I guess my understanding is that I, I don't know how you sort of make a space be something. I guess that's kind of what you guys are, or maybe we're discussing now, but if it's going to be a bar, you know, I, I guess I would like to be the one to shepherd it in the future. I mean, without, sorry if I misspoke. No, 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 it's okay. Thank you. Supervisor Kapos. My mic, okay, and I appreciate the your sincerity. Uh, I think that does come through. But if I'm committed to to respecting the history of this kind of an institution, mm -hmm. uh, even before I go down this path, and you know, as you said, you know, it's a business deal. But for the community, it's more than just a business deal. Why not take the time to do the outreach before you actually even you know go go down this path? You know, why not take the time to actually understand? you know, from the community, you know, before you start talking about taking over this kind of establishment and actually mm -hmm. find out what the concerns of the community are, what the needs of the community are, why not do that before the fact so that you avoid the situation where you're actually, you know, three weeks later trying sure. to close this deal? Sure. Um, maybe, well, let's say, for starters, I haven't done this before, right? I haven't, I haven't taken over a heritage site before and, um, you know, I think there's also, I, I mean, the, the answer to your question is, is timing. It still is, you know, and, and, and if, if it benefits everybody to have more time, I mean, I guess that's fine, but I, I feel like the process is happening now. I mean, I've been educated about human ashes, you know. I've been educated about millions of dollars raised, you know. I, I've, I've been told, look, man, like this is really important, and I, I, I'm hearing it, you know, and that's all I can start to do, you know, and I can do my best to continue that process. So I, I guess this is the other point is it's not just about looking back and 
outreaches, that's very important. But if we're going to, to be doing this forward, it's also about a forward-facing view, right? So this isn't just, hey, I've done my research, I get the point, I'm done, right? I mean, I seriously think that the real goal is, is the next 10 years, the next year, like everything going forward, right? I mean, it's still neighbors, still community, it's still a story. And, and that's how I see it. So, you know, I really do apologize to everybody here for not having reached out more appropriately and, and sooner. Um, but, but it doesn't plan on stopping here, right? I'm not going to just go out there and be like, yes, like it's over. Like, no, come on. This isn't how it works. This is not over. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. I apologize. Any further questions, colleagues? Okay. Thank you, Mr. Spear. Mr. Pugash. Morning, Supervisors, uh, Campos, Wiener, and Kim. Um, we uh, had the understanding that we would have a little bit of time to present today, so I hope that um, I can move through my uh, statement and uh, just proceed. And I'm, okay. I imagine that there may be some questions the, as well. Yeah, and then afterwards, we, we hope that Mark Rennie can have a, a chance to present as well. Um, so first of all, um, thank you everyone for coming out today and giving me the chance to speak with all of you. Uh, in case you didn't hear, my name is Anderson Pugash. I'm one of the four partners on this project. Uh, I understand that the LGBT community is very concerned about our ownership of the Eagle, and I hope to learn more about those concerns at this hearing, as well as hopefully clear up some of the misinformation that has been circling around out there. I think a good place to start would be in how we became the Lessers at 398 12th Street. We first toured the Eagle several months ago and instantly fell in love with its outdoor area and patio. We came to tour it after hearing that the landlord was unable to work out a deal with some previous employees from the bar and with the understanding that it was being shopped to numerous other parties. We submitted an offer around March or April and then never heard back from the landlord. Subsequently, we learned that the landlord was moving forward with another group and so we moved on. Then in late June, we were told that the person who was going to buy the Eagle was not going to any longer. We didn't know it at the time, but we later found out that the previous buyer was a gay entrepreneur by the name of Iming Jung. In fact, we learned that the landlord had toured the space to many gay operators and that he had even preferred to have a tenant from the LGBT community. However, after the previous purchaser had moved on, we were told that the landlord needed someone who could close quickly because he had sick relatives dependent on this income and as qualified operators with a strong backing, we stepped up to the plate. On July 3rd, we signed a lease with the expectation that the liquor license would transfer shortly thereafter. Can, can you please continue, Mr. Fugash? Thank you. Um, erroneously, we'd assumed that there had been community outreach done up to that point, but as we later found out, that assumption was wrong. In hindsight, we definitely realized that this process could have been handled better and wish we had reached out earlier so that you could all come to learn the story of uh, the Eagle in a more timely manner, but I suppose it's better late than never. Looking forward, however, we really want to work with the community in the development of the former Eagle, listen to your ideas, and incorporate them into our concept. We know that we have huge shoes to fill and a tremendous legacy to honor, and we take this very seriously. We also know that the Eagle was a beacon of civic engagement, and we have no plans to change that. Therefore, we will continue to hold the beer bus as well as host events for HIV and other important causes. In addition, we plan to bring back some of the bands that formerly played at the Eagle, and to that end, one of our partners has already begun reaching out to some of them to discuss this. In fact, live music will remain an essential and focal part, focal 
part of our business, and we plan on serving great tasting drinks and bar bites at an affordable price point with casual, friendly service. We want an informal, approachable, and comfortable atmosphere that is conducive to eating and drinking and makes the most of the beautiful outdoor patio. We both hope and expect that many former patrons of the Eagle will return because we will be reliant on their patronage in order to make this business work. At the end of the day, what we want to create is a fun establishment with great music that is neither a gay nor straight bar. It's just a bar and one that brings all of our community closer together. I know that to many of you, this is a major loss. And I'm sorry to say this, but unfortunately, the Eagle will not remain the same regardless of who owns it. The building was left in a very dilapidated condition due to the previous owner's neglect, and there's major ADA accessibility work that needs to be done. Indeed, this is a project that requires skilled operators to navigate the many construction, operational, and logistical challenges of renovating and opening the space. And to that end, I feel that our team is exceptionally well poised to do so. Our team is comprised of experts from the world of hospitality. My partners are David Brinkley, owner of Vessel Nightclub, Bruce McDonald, owner of Show Dogs and Foreign Cinema, Danny Hay, manager of Harlot, Eli Spear, who just spoke, a, a hospitality contractor with 10 years of experience in the business, and myself, a local promoter and fundraiser. We believe that this project will be a great benefit to San Francisco, and that after over a year and a half of being closed, it's time to get the doors open again. This project will create jobs, support local musicians, and provide San Francisco with a much-needed outdoor entertainment space. We ask that the liquor license can be forwarded to the full Board of Supervisors for consideration at the end of this hearing, because further delay would be very expensive and a major setback to the project. Thank you, Mr. Pugash. I think uh, Supervisor Kim has a question for you. Sure. I, I've, I've one, one sentence left, if I could say it. Yeah. I'd just like to say that we plan on continuing our dialogue with the community, and to that end, we would be happy to hold another forum for public input if that is what's desired. Um, thank you, and I look forward to hearing everyone's comment. Supervisor Kim. Uh, thank you. Uh, Mr. Prakash, I, I, I understand kind of uh, the story that, that you're, you're presenting today with Eli in terms of the landlord, and of course you can't help the actions of the landlord, et cetera. Um, the previous liquor license that we um, had approved here uh, on 6th Street, uh, just just so you have a little bit of, you know, relevance. I mean, the the owner of that site actually started outreaching to the South of Market community to our office six months before the transfer even came to the full board. Um, going to community meetings, attending Southern Southern Station CPAB meetings, um, meeting with the community, coming into my office almost on a. I mean, this is extreme. I mean, on a weekly basis, but at least contacting our office in advance. Usually, um, even even with a large uh, transfer like Target, the Metreon Target reached out to us two months before uh, the transfer took place. Um, so I, I'm curious as to since this isn't your first project, since and this is an expedited process why you had assumed that it wasn't important to come to us earlier. And, I, and even if you couldn't have come to us in March or April, as soon as you had learned um, from the owner that he was selecting your team, why you didn't immediately contact at least our office as a district supervisor? Um, well, you know, Supervisor Kim, I, I do again apologize for not reaching out sooner. It was clearly a mistake. Um, however, it is the uh, – um, is the landlord's liquor license, and we had assumed um, with the hearing, I believe we signed the lease on July 3rd. The hearing was July 9th, so it was six days later. Um, we were very focused on, you know, construction and, and getting our necessary team together, uh, our legal docs, et cetera, 
And uh, we had, as I mentioned, falsely assumed that the dialogue had been happening during this whole time. And uh, so that was, our, that was our mistake. Even um, after I continued the item uh, a week ago, I hadn't heard from, from you or yeah. any other members of your team until Friday morning. Mm -hmm. I'm just curious as to why that outreach didn't happen. And also during that time, why outreach hadn't just begun with the community well, and the actually, neighborhood. Well, we had met with someone with your office the week before, Sunny. Um, I, so, I understand that, yeah. but you had not outreached to our office. I mean, we had been invited by Supervisor Wiener to attend a meeting, mm -hmm. but you had not outreached to our office. Yeah, I apologize for that. And, and, and just also why you hadn't just started to initiate meetings with the community in the neighborhood, which could have easily been done because the community in the neighborhood had started their own meetings. So you, you or any member of your team could have attended those meetings. Uh, well, I guess we were... Um, unaware that some of those meetings were occurring, we had reached out to um, Terrence Allen and Glendon and, and met mm -hmm. with them. Um, and I think it's our belief that, you know, this is an ongoing dialogue so that, um, you know, the construction process is a long one. There's a lot of work that needs to be done. Mm -hmm. And we have a lot of time um, to gather that input and really take mm -hmm. it seriously. And, and sometimes, mm -hmm. you know, doing these projects, it's a se sequential process. And, um, you know, truthfully, the concepting is still evolving, and we are working on that dialogue ourselves, and now that we're kind of ready for that um, is when I think public mm -hmm. input will be most effective because we haven't, you know, mm -hmm. we haven't decided on exactly what we're going to do, um, and so we still have time to, to take that input. Mm -hmm. We have a lot of time. No, I appreciate you mentioning that you met with Mr. Allen and Commissioner High. That's certainly helpful. I, I have to say that normally that dialogue should happen before the transfer, and I agree that there's plenty of time, and it should happen before the transfer takes place. Thank you, Supervisor Kim. Supervisor Campos. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Um, I'm wondering, uh, thank you for being here. Sure. I'm wondering why it is that you assume that it was the landlord's uh, responsibility to do that outreach. I mean, I understand that the, they hold a license, but you're the ones that are trying to take over this establishment. So can you explain to me why you made that assumption? Well, because it's the, I mean, because it's the landlord's license and uh, it's ultimately on him to get it transferred into the premise. Um, and we had assumed that outreach had been done. And uh, furthermore, we weren't a part of this deal until, you know, almost the end of June. And so, you know, we didn't have much time to react ourselves. There's a lot of work that goes into signing a lease and um, getting together this group and create an operating agreement. And uh, we had to move on a very tight time frame after uh, the previous operator had declined to continue his purchase. Now, as, as I noted earlier, the question before as, uh, as we're trying to decide this issue is one of uh, looking at public convenience or necessity. But something you said uh, I found really striking. Um, and again, you know, I have, uh, I understand that there are many different establishments in San Francisco, and as, as a gay man, I also appreciate the fact that there are many spaces where you want to see gay and straight people uh, congregate, and, and, you know, there are many uh, places where that, you, you want to see that. Uh, that said, you have heard in the different emails that have gone out, uh, in the various public comments that have been made, that for many of us in the LGBT community, this is hollowed ground. Uh, this is, uh, the eagle represents uh, 
it's part of our history it's part of you know it's an establishment that has been an integral part of the l g b community in san francisco for so many years and not just the l g b community in san francisco but the l g b community abroad you know the eagle stands for something and so in light of that i was really shocked that you would come here and say that this is going to be neither a gay or straight bar again i think that there there are some cases where that's appropriate many cases where that's appropriate but when you're talking about taking over a queer landmark and establishment you know that that means so much to this community can you explain that i mean neither a gay neither a gay or straight bar what does that mean well i was i guess i was under the impression that any business owner regardless of sexuality could purchase a business and i didn't know that it would be problematic for me as a straight heterosexual individual to purchase this have you been through the eagle tavern after after it closed yeah so my point is my point to you sir is so well so yeah i get your question so i'm going there but so the previous owners were from the lgbt community and they trashed it upon leaving and actually we have some photos of the condition that the space was left in mark can i bring those up Welcome, Supervisor Lagi. Yeah. So, as you can see, the 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 place was destroyed and nearly unrecognizable. So, in some ways, I mean, it was a bit of a a clean slate, so to speak, because obviously a considerable amount of work has to be done just to get it back up to code and make it accessible. Now, as far as neither being a gay nor a straight bar, I don't think that, you know, it's for us to dictate who can and cannot come to this venue. I think it's this venue will open its doors to everyone. It will be welcome to everyone. And I think that's, you know, all that's required. Well, again, there are the legal requirements that are part of this discussion that we're going to get into. I don't think that any establishment, whether it's gay or straight, can legally preclude anyone from going in. And, in fact, you know, the great thing about gay bars in San Francisco and anywhere is that everyone is welcome. And that's part of a very important part of the culture. But the question here is, in terms of the focus of this establishment, your vision for this establishment, I want to know more about what you mean by neither a gay or straight bar, because this is a gay landmark. This is a gay institution that has meant a lot for this community. And so that's, that's, but I think, I think I get the gist of what you're trying to do. Thank you. Thank you very much. Supervisor Kim. I apologize. This is a question that I forgot to ask. I know that you said that you met with Mr. Allen and Commissioner Hyde who represent, or who work in the entertainment community and nightlife community. Did you meet with any neighbors in Western Soma or on 12th Street? Members of our team did, yes. Okay. Could you could you explain that outreach? Who you met with? Yeah, some I I believe some of them will be presenting today. If you want to hear from them. I'm sorry. Who will be presenting? Eli. Let's see. Yeah. Okay. But 
could you tell me the outreach that you had done? I know that the... I mean, they can speak in terms of their support or opposition, but what outreach did you do to the neighborhood? Our team reached out to some of the local neighbors by knocking on doors, and I know the landlord also went around and contacted some of the neighbors. I do not know in what fashion he did this. I don't need to know what the landlord just did, just what you did. Sure. So, I mean, our team has already been in dialogues with some of the local people. We have not held a hearing or had an open forum for discussion yet, but we are happy to do so. Okay. And so you door knocked some of the neighbors is what you did. And when did you do this? Our team did this, I'm guessing, between July 3rd and now. Okay. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Supervisor Kim. Thank you, Mr. Provisional. Yeah, and hopefully Mark Rennie can have a chance to present as well. Thank you. Why don't we proceed with public comment? Next speaker. And for the folks who I called who are not in line, if you could do so, because that's my cue on when to call more cards when that line is getting short. Proceed. Thank you. Good morning, Supervisors. My name is Rebecca Barth. I'm a native San Franciscan. Can you speak into the microphone? Yeah, I'm sorry. You can pull it down if you need to. That would be better. Is that better? Yes. So I grew up in San Francisco. I've been a part of the LGBT community. And, you know, one of my greatest high school memories was being, you know, out on the streets in the Castro with Stop AIDS, you know, probably as the youngest and the only female member at that time. And as an adult, I've been an ER physician at San Francisco General. I've been very involved in ROCMED and the Haight-Ashbury Free Clinics. And sorry, I'm a little nervous. And I've also been involved in Burning Man and many art projects. And I know Eli Spear personally. He's a close friend of mine. And I know, and I've worked with him actually on several art projects. And I know that his dedication to community and to music and to art is incredible. And that's why I'm here today is because I have been a patron of the Eagle Tavern. I loved the Eagle Tavern very much. And I miss it. But I also am here today to say that it's lying empty right now. And I know that there's an amazing opportunity. And I think that he's part of a group that can bring something special and something new to that space. With their dedication, it can be a new place of art and community and music and bringing everybody together. And maybe not in the same way as it used to be, but in a new way that we can also celebrate. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next speaker. Good morning, supervisors. It was very difficult to put together remarks. There are so many issues here. So my remarks are general. And I agree that the Eagle is of the utmost importance to our community. I mourn the day the Eagle closed. No one was more of a loyal patron than I. I was there constantly. I produced shows there and participated in hundreds of fundraisers for AIDS. The Eagle was a bar that catered to the leather community. And my leather community credentials are pretty extensive. I was the owner of Mr. San Francisco Leather, Ms. San Francisco Leather, a founding member of International Ms. Leather, and the producer of International Mr. Drummer and International Mr. Leather for 10 years. In San Francisco, the Eagle was our home bar. I originally was going to tell you about the Eagle through the years, but instead I decided to tell you something I felt was more important. 
The San Francisco Eagle was never the same after the death of Terry Thompson in 1994, and although it continued to do fundraisers on Sundays, the business began to wane on other days. It was sold and renamed the Eagle Tavern, and although they continued to have fundraisers, it was never the same. The business plan didn't work, and the community support began to dissolve. Keeping the doors closed and this building blighted is not in the best interest of the building owner or the community. I am concerned that this body would try to tell the property owner what kind of business he can put in there or what sexual preference the operator had to have. That would be a violation of his property rights and a dangerous precedent to set. You must act according to the code, and there is nothing in the code that suggests that this PCN should be denied. Further, this location was a bar long before it was the Eagle, which opened in 1981, and its precedent and its presence has enlivened an otherwise dormant corner, will provide jobs, and be of economic benefit to the community, especially since the... Thank you. Thank you, Commissioner Joseph. Uh, next speaker. Good morning, supervisors and members of the public. Uh, my name is Megan McGatt. I come here as a representative on a personal and professional level. I work for an electrical contractor named Deluzio Incorporated, who is in the immediate neighborhood of the Eagle. And I've also lived in the South of Market neighborhood since 2000. It's my home, and, um, which is why I choose to live and work there. Uh, I look forward to the space that was formerly known as the Eagle being open again. Not only um, is it a, a great space and a great location in terms of where my business is located, and um, I also know Eli Spear personally and believe that um, he has, his intentions are honest and that he will continue the philanthropic traditions of uh, what the Eagle had set forth already. Um, I have discussed this with everyone I work with, and we're all looking forward to the space being open again and being a place that we can enjoy, not only for personal functions, but also for uh, business functions. So thank you for your time. Thank you very much. Next speaker. And let me call a few more cards uh, before you start. Um, uh, Matt Brezina, Brian Green, Harold Smith, um, Ari Kalfayan, um, John uh, Ginoli, Bone, Bone or Bain Coots, sorry about that. Um, Michael Caney and Autumn Haber. You can go ahead, thank you. Hello, uh, my name is Chris. I've kind of got two angles towards being here. First is uh, that Eli Spear helped me build my bar in Oakland, which opened last year. Um, and he did a beautiful job of one, designing something that was beautiful and added to the, to the area. Um, and it's in Uptown, which is in some ways similar to Soma. Um, and also, he helped uh, kind of philosophically design a bar that captured the essence of the community. Um, and as a result, I'm uh, incredibly proud of my place, and the feedback has been that it does a really good job of serving all, all the needs and desires of the uh, relevant members. Um, second, I am here so I can testify towards what that's what he will create and design here. Second, uh, I've been living at 374 11th Street for the past three years with my girlfriend. Um, and I can say that, I mean, the irony of living in a neighborhood full of uh, nightclubs and bars is that there's none that catered to, to an increasingly diverse community in that area. It's uh, rapidly changing, and, it, and it's diverse any way you want to cut it. 
Um, the eagle was the closest, and even though my girlfriend was always worried it was going to fall down on her, that was where we went. Uh, and I think that it's, that it's perfectly sensible and beautifully logical that it should transform into something that serves the entire community in a rapidly diverse neighborhood. Thank you very much. Next speaker. <clears throat> oh, two minutes, not three. Um, good morning, Supervisors. My name is Peter Gutstern. I am 42 years old. I have lived in San Francisco since I was nine for 33 years. I have worked in bars and clubs <coughs> in this city since I was 16 in one capacity or another. When I was 19, I ran the door at the biggest gay nightclub in San Francisco, Colossus. I did this job for over three years. At no time did anyone ever ask me if I was straight or gay or otherwise. I got the job and kept the job because I was the guy for the job. Eli is the guy for this job. He's an artist. He's a musician. He's an integral part of the Burning Man community here in San Francisco, which is neither gay or straight. Those folks are just all over the place. It shouldn't matter that Eli is not gay. It shouldn't matter that he's not part of the leather community. The first club that I opened myself in San Francisco was predominantly gay. This year, I hosted the official after party for Gay Pride. It didn't matter that I was still straight. <laughs> and frankly, I just found this out sitting here writing this speech. Iming apparently was the person that everyone wanted to take this space over. Iming is a great guy, but Iming runs straight venues. Thank you for your time. Thank you. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Matt Brezina. I'm a local business owner in San Francisco. I um, have two businesses, one down in the financial district, one in Soma, and I currently live in the Mission District. And I guess the reason I'm here today is to just observe our government process. Um, I have actually haven't been that involved in uh, our gov local government's proceedings, and really what I'm looking for is a government that um, kind of abides by the spirit of the law, doesn't get caught up in procedures as much as um, progress. And I think what these gentlemen are doing with this space is going to be great for that area, great for um, a space that's been closed for a year and a half. I bike on a bike lane that goes by there. I'd love to stop by for a beer on the way home from work. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm here just to, to offer my support in, in, uh, in favor of these guys building out the space. Thank you very much. Next speaker. Thank you for having me. Uh, my name is Ari Kalfayan, and I run a charity called Reason to Party. And uh, I've worked with David Brinkley, one of the potential owners, for about a year now. And in listening to the comments, something stuck out from Supervisor Campos, actually, dealing with the community in good faith. And I do believe there needs to be a place for everyone in this room and everyone in the community. Eagle Tavern wasn't a place for me. I never felt compelled to go there. Uh, Vessel which Mr. Brinkley owns, was a place for me and was a place for the gay community. We hosted the big gay holiday party there. Uh, we threw confession events for six months at Vessel. Uh, and in just hearing the comments, I want to address the fact that the reason the party started off as a gay party and we quickly learned, especially in the younger demographic, which we serve, 21 to 40, no one cares, right? Like, 
in that group, a lot of people don't care. So if Badlands could speak, if it closed down and we went to Badlands and we were walking through, oh, the memories. I don't, I mean, fun memories are there and there's a lot of charity work that's been done, but there would be a lot of bad that's been done as well. So in looking at the pictures and looking at the space and looking at where we are right now and the plan that's been presented, I do believe this is a really important proceeding because it's giving people a voice and giving people a voice to speak to you directly, not about 47 versus 48, not about what's been done in the past, but what we're going to be able to create together for the community. And what I'm hearing right now is overwhelming support for the plan. And I would hate to think that people are closed-minded to the fact that there is something great available to them, that there's something great available for the community that's going to be built anew, fresh. And I'm committed as a philanthropist to working with this group right here, as someone who hosts gay events, and making sure that we capture that spirit and that's present in the new space. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, next speaker. Good morning, supervisors. My name is John Ginoli. I'm a patron of the Eagle and a musician who played there many times. And I would like to speak against this transfer of this license. Um, I, you know, one of the issues in San Francisco right now um, for the gay community is nightlife. And one thing that I wanted to point I wanted to make about the Eagle as it was is that um, uh, the Eagle was, was not just a gay bar, there's many gay bars, but it was a gay bar that had international appeal and drew people from all over the world to our city. I think the economic impact of tourism is often downplayed. Having the Eagle uh, the way it was, under gay ownership, um, said something about the kind of club it was and was and would be more, uh, if, if we're weighing, you know, who should get a license, this would be um, more, um, sorry, <laughs> um, I think important to keep it as, uh, as a bar that began as a gay bar that welcomed everybody as opposed to uh, a bar that just happens to have uh, the music or the gay aspect as part of it. So in terms of uh, who, who should be able to have a license. I'd like to say that it would be uh, uh, more for the people that have held it previously and had a certain kind of appeal than uh, to transfer it to others. And I'm sorry for being nervous. Thank you. <coughs> Thank you very much. Next speaker. My name is Autumn Haber, and I'm here in support of the transfer of the liquor license. I'm a three-year uh, San Francisco resident, and I think it's a shame that this isn't looked at as an opportunity for different communities to come together and collaborate to open the doors as, uh, after it's been closed for so long and really revive the business that once was there. Um, it's a shame that it sat closed, and I think that if the communities were to come together and really work together to create the, the music scene, the art scene, and everything in one, um, I, think, I think it's a shame that this isn't used as a positive, um, a positive um, forum um, currently, and it's, it's mostly negative because this is a, a good chance for, um, as was mentioned before, jobs and, and art and music um, to all be in one place in, in a closed-door um, facility. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next speaker. And actually, let me call a few more names before you go. Um, Sue Englander, 
uh, William Baird, Bruce Bodette, Jody uh, Reichel, Seth Munter, Danielle Burson, Glendon Hyde, Joseph Copley, <coughs> Annie Bacon, and Jeff Whitmore. Those are all the cards I have, so if I've not read your name yet and you want to speak, please fill out a card. Also call, um, and then Mark Rennie. Go ahead, sir. Good morning, supervisors and the public. My name is Brian Green. I'm a longtime um, patron of the Eagle and um, resident speak. of the Thanks. Mission District. I live on 21st Street. And um, I guess I'm in, in opposition of this transfer without knowing a whole lot about um, the processes. I'm learning more about them today, but um, the good faith um, negotiations with the other um, proposed buyers, I, I, I'm, more questions are being raised than are being answered here. I don't know what Burning Man has to do with this. Um, keeps being referred to. And um, it's, it's more about um, the legacy of the Eagle and that it <laughs> continue. I think talk is really cheap. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. The Eagle didn't exclude straight people. Um, <coughs> quite the contrary. Um, and from what I understand, the the other offers on the Eagle um, that fell through, I don't know what those circumstances were, but it would be interesting to learn that because um, the rumor mill is rife with um, with stories about that. So more information, more public discourse, and more public scrutiny. Thank you very much. You. Next speaker. Good morning, supervisors. Thank you for this time. My name is Sue Englander, and I'm a, a neighbor in district. I was in District 6. I'm now in District 8. But you Welcome. Know, thank you. <laughs> um, and I'm actually here to talk about the liquor license in terms of the history of taverns in San Francisco. Um, San Francisco always has had a great uh, tradition of taverns. As a matter of fact, the historic period that I studied, the turn of the 20th to the 20th century, there was one tavern for every 50 people in San Francisco, more than churches. And I think that's probably still true. But the reason um, that taverns were such a popular place was because working people needed a club, and they didn't have a club anyplace else. Um, this, the bars were a place where ordinary men and women could gather, eat and drink, exchange information, um, but also do politics, raise funds, create a community. And the Eagle is really in the best tradition of those kinds of community structures, the glue, <coughs> the glue that held marginalized communities together, which is why I'm very much opposed to the liquor license transfer. If we're looking at the needs of the community, the convenience and necessity of this, I want to tell you that transferring this liquor license flies in the face of community convenience and necessity. The, the tavern served a marginalized community, and it should again. 
it was not the tavern, the Eagle did not just leave. It was kicked out by the landlord. And this neighborhood is not becoming more diverse. It's becoming less, thus diverse, unless you count the fact that the number of Jaguars and Mercedes are, you know, exceeding the number of Toyotas. So I speak strongly against the liquor license transfer. Thank you. Next speaker. Good morning, supervisors and everybody. My name is Bruce Beaudet. Thank you. And I'm a gay historian of sorts. And having places, I don't go to McDonald's as a gay man looking for a sense of who I am. And I know that McDonald's does cater to straight and gay people. I go to gay establishments. I go to the Cafe Floor. I go to, I used to go to the Eagle. I go to places which think about me and offer a place of safety, a place of support. They get my support then. So I am against this transfer and against this different kind of business coming into this space and would love to see something which would serve my community once again directly, not indirectly. So we need more safe places to go, more safe places to be, a place where the lovely person who is over here in the habit can feel comfortable, not in regards to, let's say, if the gay-centric lyrics of Pansy Division, that I'm a big fan of, John Ginoli's music, if the new owners would feel some sort of need to censure the fact that someone could maybe be in a habit or sing about someone's beer can-sized penis. God bless the illegal for allowing that sort of thing to happen. So thank you. Thank you very much. Next speaker. Good morning, supervisors, and thank you for the special hearing this morning. My name is William Baird. I have been a resident of San Francisco for over 29 years. I am the president of the San Francisco chapter of a club called the Defenders. We are a service organization which is part of the Leather Levi community chartered by Dignity USA, which is a national organization of GLBT Catholics. One of our primary purposes of the Defenders is to raise money for distribution to a variety of organizations. While I am encouraged by many of the comments I have heard this morning, I remain concerned about the diluting of support for the GLBT and leather communities with the transfer of this license. In any transfer of license for this premise, we ask that you consider the intent of the management for being supportive of LGBT community by providing means for fundraising using the unique character of the venue. Simply providing beverages, beverage service for sale to the general community is not enough. There are many bars and restaurants that do that. The need and the legacy of the Eagle is for partnering with a variety of organizations to generate income for these LGBT groups. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next speaker. Oh, I'm sorry, were you done? Yes. Okay. Thank you. My apologies. 
Next speaker. Good morning, supervisors. My name is Jody Reichel. As a California OREA licensed commercial real estate appraiser with over 20 years experience and someone that's also active in the leather community, I believe I can see both sides of this issue. Should a property owner be able to do with his property as he wish? I believe that answer to be yes in most instances within any zoning or regulatory constraints. In this instance, however, due to the historical nature of the property and the property owner having perhaps performed sexual orientation discrimination in real estate leasing matters, the answer is definitely no. Should this license be transferred and the property transformed, the historical nature of the property is irreparably harmed and it would probably be economically not feasible to transform the Eagle back to its original configuration. The tabling of this transfer helps in several ways. It preserves the space as is, as the historical property is, and before it gets transformed. A historical plaque on the building, silly, not, it's not satisfactory in this instance. A tabling of this transfer for a month or two does not immediately reopen the Eagle. But if preserved, there are plenty of qualified gay business people interested in eventually getting it reopened soon, even if it takes a few more months. Other highly qualified gay business people besides the most current lessees, such as the owner, as the Dallas Eagle, made numerous attempts to deal with the property and were totally ignored by the ownership. Why is it that after over a year of delay and ignoring highly qualified gay business lessees that the first straight group that comes along, he jumps at it? It's outrageous. It is important to save the gay community meeting space in the SOMA as is, even if the opening is further delayed. Thanks for consideration. I ask you to table this license for a month or two, investigate the sexual orientation real estate discrimination that I believe has gone on, and uh, preserve this space as is. Thanks. Thank you very much. Next speaker. Good morning. Thank you. My name is Danielle Burson. Oh, excuse me. Good morning. Thank you. Uh, my name is Danielle Burson, and I currently serve on the board of the San Francisco Social with Anderson Pugosh. It's a charitable, a charitable organization that is currently raising funds for Larkin Street Youth Services. It's the seventh year of fundraising. Um, after working closely with Mr. Pugosh on this project and others, I'm excited. <laughs> I'm excited to be a part of this um, and revitalizing this space and share in the, the continuing heritage of live music and inclusion of alike, everyone included in this. Um, I understand the important value of the space, and um, I think that the community will benefit greatly from Mr. Pugash's leadership, both in charity and organization, and bringing community members together. So, thank you. Thank you very much. Next speaker, Commissioner Hyde. Hello, my name is Glendon Anaconda Hyde. Thanks for having this here today. Uh, first of all, Scott, I would like to say that I'm sorry that it got personal. Um, some of the arguments, that's certainly not the direction that we meant to go, of course. Um, sometimes people get heated and that happens. So um, I just want to say that I've heard some things like they preferred a gay tenant. Tenant after tenant, in fact, the last people didn't even know that they were not opening the Eagle until they were told at um, a meeting by us that they were no longer going to be the tenants in the Eagle. They didn't know. No one ever told them. They still have the money ready to go to buy this place and they're still interested. Yet they were overlooked. And that's a basis for denying this license. When you talk about outreach, you know, procedure before process, 
they could reach out to their close friends and knock on doors but they could only reach out to who in the gay community and if it hadn't been for me calling bill barnes to set up that meeting there would not have been a meeting the gay community has been completely shut out of this and therefore i find a lot of the promises to possibly be hollow promises because i don't think that this was properly vetted and i hope that you can not transfer this license commissioner hyde i apologize so um that meeting that did take place between the current um applicants and yourself was a meeting that you had initiated yes i called bill barnes and had him set it up for me okay thank you yeah mr i just need to or and it's possible that i had a misunderstanding but my recollection is that i i think texted you and asked if it was okay to give your number to mr pugash to call you and you told me that that was that was already after i had contacted bill barnes to uh set up this meeting okay so that was after yes um okay thank you next speaker my name legal name is joseph capley alfano my uh alternate post on is sister marian amen i'm here to represent myself today as a 22-year resident of san francisco I was also a long-term patron at the Eagle. I was also part of the last group of postulants to be veiled at the Eagle. And many of my sister's ashes are there, scattered there. I think the question today is, is the interest of the community served by transferring this liquor license? And I would say no. I've heard uh, a number of things here today. I've heard that efforts have been made to contact my community. There's been no effort, as far as I'm aware, to contact me personally. And as, a, as, a, as a, I have been aware at the GMs that I have attended with my order, my order has not been contacted to the best of my personal knowledge with regard to this transfer. Uh, I do have heard through the grapevine, however, that there have been some charitable discussions with regard to continuing charitable events at uh, the new proposed space. As I understand it, the uh, suggestions were so cost prohibitive, I would not be able to hold a charitable event at that new location due to the cost constraints. Uh, I'm wondering how the gentleman, the gentleman here said that uh, they couldn't do outreach to the community within the last three weeks due to the logistics of establishing the team to put the place together. How can they establish a community-oriented space without contacting the community? How can they establish a team with, to create a space that will serve the community without contacting the community they're attempting to serve? Pick, uh, Pictures that I've seen up here put today are, thank you. You can finish your last sentence. And then the, the pictures that I saw put up here today were, were described as being caused by the former tenants. What proof is there of that, that that was damaged by any of the former tenants? I had more to say, but I thank you for your time. Uh, thank, thank, you. thank you very much. Next speaker. Hello, good morning. My name is Annie Bacon. I'm a local musician. Um, I'm not a San Francisco native, but uh, you may have seen my, my little baby back there making some noise. He is a San Francisco native, and we intend to stay here and build our home here. Um, 
when I found out that this sale had happened and that Eli Spear was taking over this tavern, I can't tell you how excited I was. As a musician, I knew that this was gonna end up being a place where musicians were honored and treated with respect, where music and art would thrive. Um, I, I'm, as I'm sitting here listening to everything that's being said, I, I really understand the concerns that um, spaces that are safe for the LGBT community are, that should not be taken lightly, absolutely. Um, I consider myself a straight ally. I'm an activist in the, you know, in the, the straight ally end of the LGBT um, community. Um, and I think that I just want to emphasize that Eli Spears should be considered an, an asset in keeping the, keeping the history alive of this tavern and moving forward operating on some of the same principles of openness and inclusive, inclusivity um, that in a city where it's becoming all too often to end up in a bar or a restaurant where I'm afraid I'm not wearing the right clothes or you know, I, I should have put some makeup on or something like that. I feel so relieved to know that there's gonna, there could be a space that is truly about community where anybody is truly welcome. So I pledge my support. Thank you very much. Next speaker, I also just wanna call the last speaker card. I have Nick Hudson. Uh, I have no additional speaker cards, so if I haven't called your name today and you wanna speak, please fill out a card. Otherwise, we'll do the last uh, three speakers. Honorable supervisors, my name is Seth Munter. I'm here to ask you to table this motion and defer consideration of the Board of Supervisors. Tabling this motion will bring all the parties to the table and enable cons uh, consideration and collaboration. A little background, I'm a licensed real estate salesperson. I hold an MBA from UC Berkeley. I'm director of the Leather Alliance. I also represent Mark Frazier. Mr. Frazier is the owner and operator of the Dallas Eagle. We do not seek ownership of the bar, we seek collaboration. Over a year ago, Mr. Frazier and I approached the owner of 398 12th Street, Mr. John Nicotopoulos, to discuss a lease arrangement. He made two demands. First, pay all back rent of the previous lessees, over $50,000, and second, do all the building of the ADA compliance at my client's expense. Mr. Nicotopoulos would not discuss a lease unless these demands were met. Working with Ron Hennis, a manager of the Eagle Tavern, we ran financial analyses and found that these unreasonable preconditions made the business unfeasible. Mr. Frazier asked Mr. Nicotopoulos to call if he changed his mind, and Mr. Nicotopoulos never did so. We spoke with uh, Mr. Weiner, Supervisor Kim, and Bevan Dufty. My understanding is that Mr. Nicotopoulos still refuses to call Supervisor Weiner. We have the ability to move forward here, but we need to make sure the Double Rainbow team does reach out. We need to delay consideration of this transfer to give this team a reason to collaborate. Nobody wants a vacant property, but it's Mr. Nicotopoulos' fault that it is still vacant. We don't need to rush, we need to move forward together. So let's roll up our sleeves and find a solution that works for all of us. Thank you. If I may, uh, if, I, if I just want, we have a, a, a board rule um, 
basically uh, no applauding or hissing or, any, or anything else. That is a, a rule of the Board of Supervisors, so I just wanted to point that out. Uh, Mr. Munter, I think there was a question from you, uh, Mr. Campos. I was just going to compliment you on uh, having a perfectly two-minute uh, uh, point. That, that, that very rarely happens. You can blame my speech and debate coach in high school. <laughs> just uh, thank you for, your, for being here. Um, I have a, I mean, one of the overarching questions that I have is, you know, in your experience, I mean, do you believe that the owner of this property has negotiated in good faith with all members of the community, including members of the LGBT community? I don't know about other people. Uh, I know that his interaction with the previous owners was not always positive, and I am sure that he did not negotiate in good faith with my client who owns the Dallas Eagle. If I can note that there are Eagle bars across this country that are very successful, and there's no reason we can't have an eagle in the tradition of that bar here in San Francisco. Thank you. Thank you very much. Uh, next speaker, and I also have a speaker card for Doug Hilsinger. Good morning, supervisors. My name is Jeff Whitmore. I'm the owner of Public Works in San Francisco. And, you know, the reason I got in this business was, to, was for the diversity and to bring people together. And every venue and everything that I've been involved with, that's my first and foremost objective. And I think we've succeeded with that in Public Works. Eli Spear, I'm another supporter of his, he was an integral part of Public Works from day one. Public Works does everything from techno and bands to the official Folsom after party, to the Dyke March after party, to the Barracuda parties, and that's why I love this business, because we do everything, and we also seek to bring people together from groups that don't usually hang out together, and it works at times. So I'm here for the fact that Eli Spear from day one was a creative influence and was a big community influence. You know, I would, I would definitely say that anything that he's going to be involved with, he's going to bring that to the table. Thank you. Thank you very much. Next speaker. My name is Nicholas Hudson. Um, I've been a business partner of Anderson Pugash for about five years. We run a hospitality business together, and I know him always to be very open to the community and also be a, a very sophisticated and good business owner that will add a lot of vibrancy, community, and, you know, growth to that area. And I only see it as a, a positive thing happening. I, I would also like to note that my brother is a local musician and had played the previous Eagle Tavern, um, it was, it always enjoyed it as well. So he has connections that way as well, ironically. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very much. Next speaker. Hi, my name is Douglas Hilsinger, and I'd like to thank you, first of all, for hearing all this. And I uh, just want to go on record as uh, requesting to table this transfer uh, <laughs> purely on the basis that there's so much um, passion in the community and there just needs to be more information going on as to whether there was discrimination against LGBT uh, qualified people that wanted to lease the building and still do that have that have a license in the South Market District that doesn't need to be transferred that um, have signed a lease with the landlord and then suddenly get looked over and and um, I understand that this is the landlord's 
landlord owns this lease in the mission, then that's why he wants to get it moved into Soma, so that these guys can get, so he can benefit the most financially, which is understandable, but just seems uh, like as if these guys could do more community outreach, so I would request that it get tabled pending further investigation, more community outreach, and um, to see if there has or has not been uh, discrimination going on here. Thank you. Great. Thank you very much, Mr. Hilsinger. Uh, Mr. Rennie, and uh, unless someone else wants to step in the line or fill out a card, uh, this will be the last public commenter. Um, um, supervisors, again, my name is Mark Rennie. I represent Double Rainbow, and my name is on that letter dated May 18th that uh, started this request for a PCN approximately two and a half months ago. I want to just address a few things that haven't been touched, and I know you have some questions, but there's, there's a, the talk of the gay discrimination in leasing. Now, I got onto this a little late. I came in right around May when that letter was written. At that time, I was told by uh, Mr. Nikotopoulos that uh, Alex and Mike were going to be the intended lessees, and it was going to happen, and he was waiting to sign the lease. I subsequently learned that they had gone through eight lease incarnations, and this has gone over, on over a period of about six months. Now, you remember the huge outcry was in May of last year. That was approximately... Uh, 12, 13 months ago, and um, he, uh, the owner had made the determination he was going to uh, lease to a gay operator. He started with Mike and Alex. I was not involved in those negotiations at that point, but I understand they fell apart. They couldn't come to terms, and at that point, other people had come to the table who were also gay. Uh, specifically, I mean... Young, who is the owner of a very successful uh, establishment called 111 Minna. It's more on the arty side, but it caters to both the lesbian gay community and uh, straight and the business communities. Um, he sent an email out to Kyle DeVries, who I believe is in the audience, but he basically said, hey, I'm gay. I was signing a lease on the Eagle. His f funding fell apart. I was in that lease negotiation. This was a done deal. It fell apart at the end of June. Uh, I went to gay, Gus Veen, who's the most successful gay operator that I know for the last 20 years. I tried twice to get him to do it. We went to Bench and Bar in the East Bay, which is a gay outfit. I even went to the Tonic Guys who own Rebel, which is a gay bar, asking would they please consider the Eagle. The intention, he was not trying to discriminate against gay people. He was trying to get a gay operator in Bur there. Supervisor Kim. Yes. My, my mic is not on. Uh, Mr. Rennie, um, when you do the um, upgrade from a 47 to 48, which I appreciated that you um, spelled out for us, did you give public notice to everyone within 500 feet of the building? Yes, we did. Okay. Wh when was that done? Uh, I was not involved at that point, but I have spoken to Joan Bernardino, who is the senior person at the ABC uh, licensing rep, and she assured me that the, the uh, posting had been done. She had the posting. There's a 208E and F, which is the affidavit of all the mailing that you put, a, you put the who you mailed it to and you staple it on. She says she has that. The only thing she's not lacking, and actually she was pushing us on that, was the PCN uh, determination from the board. So it was done, I believe, sometime in August of last, of 2011. Oh, okay. I, so just to get a better sense of the timeline, uh, you initiated this transfer in August of last year then? Uh, if you'd like, I can go get the... Uh, I could go get the thing. I believe that after there was, as you know, there was quite a bit of consternation in the community and the press. I believe it was April, May of 2011. Sometime after that, there was an issue of keeping it closed too long and losing your uh, nonconforming status. So it was thought that 
what the owner would do would be to put a liquor license, find a liquor license, put it back on the premise so at least it's, you have a license intact on the premise, and then work out a deal with this Alex and Mike. And that went on through the fall. I guess that was still going on as late as April and May of this year, according to me. Like I said, I came in in May. There was another attorney, Rob Weaver, who's been doing the leasing, but they did bring me in to sit in on the final negotiations with the I Ming 111 group, and that was a done deal. And I was surprised that it had blown up, to be honest with you. And that's when I went to Gus Bean. I went to all these other gay operators, hoping that we could bring in somebody from the community just to sort of, you know, put that to rest. But, again, we're here to serve. The issue before the board today is public need and convenience of the entire community of the city and county of San Francisco. It's not just one little segment. And I think it's a dangerous precedent for the board to be getting into minutia on lease negotiations. I think it was all done in good faith. I think these guys are amazing, and I think they're going to do a beautiful job. Thank you, Mr. Rennie. That's not my question, so I do appreciate that. Yes. Thank you. Supervisor Campos. Thank you very much. Thank you for being here. One of the gentlemen who I think is part of the partnership that is behind this proposal, I think rightly indicated that you don't have to be gay to have a license approved, and I don't think that anyone here is saying that in the end a decision should be based on sexual orientation. There are many gay or straight individuals who could, you know, take over this license. The question is, you know, the sensibility that they have to the larger community and to all the issues that are relevant in the code. So one of the things that is really concerning for me is the fact that we've had a number of people during public comment and even in correspondence and other things, people that have made, I think, a very serious allegation about the landlord in terms of his willingness to negotiate in good faith with the LGBT community. And that's a very serious allegation, and it's one that I think that we have to make sure that we're fair and that we don't jump to any conclusions. But I do think it's something that we have to look at, because if it is the case that by virtue of being gay, potential, you know, owners or people who would run the establishment were denied the ability to compete in good faith, I think that's something that's relevant for consideration. And so I'm wondering, one, if you can address that issue. And second, I really believe that to the extent that those allegations have been made, and they were even said here in public comment, I personally would like to hear directly from the owner. I think that it's appropriate for the owner to come to this body and specifically address that issue. And so I'm wondering if you can address the issue that has been raised, the possible discrimination, and is there a willingness on the part of the property owner to come to this body and address not only this government committee, but also to address the community? I believe he will, and he did do a lot of outreach. I think that he was beat up pretty bad in April and May of last year and got a little gun shy. There were a lot of – I've read all the reports, and I did put in the record today with Derek 
uh, a, a, a blog from uh, Glendon Hyde dated April 29, 2011. So prior to all of this, and I believe it was passed out to you, this is the true story of what happened. And it shows that the previous owner of the Eagle basically ran the thing under the ground, uh, refused to negotiate in good faith with the Eagle, Dallas Eagle person. Now this is coming out of Glendon Hyde's mouth, who is the save the uh, Eagle, obviously. Um, he ran it into the ground. He had another leather bar that he didn't want to compete. He was the one who brought in the Skylark Lounge. It wasn't my client. My client was stung and, and painted with this broad brush of, uh, a, a, you know, a gay basher or anti-gay. But in fact, that was, I believe, a ruse just to get the community riled up. And I think, please look at that document because you have been given that document. That <coughs> is from the Save the Eagle as of April of 2011. And the Eagle is gone. I've been in the Eagle. The Eagle is not there. I've been in the Eagle a lot of times. There was a lot of memorabilia over 20 and 30 years. It was stripped out of the place. Anything of value was stripped out. Holes were put in the walls. There was a $600,000 rehab needed, and I think that was part of the problem. The trust that is uh, income goes to old people does not have the money for that $600,000 rehab. And uh, the group, the Alex and Mike group, did not have the financial wherewithal to, to rebuild this place and do what, the life safety upgrades. And we're talking life safety here and we're talking ADA here. This particular group is extremely successful in various ventures. They want to preserve the Eagle. And frankly, I, as a community member, and I've lived down in that neighborhood since 1974, I don't want to see this place stay vacant forever. I don't want to see condos built there. I don't want to see another uh, failed attempt to do a, an Eagle uh, saloon, which obviously didn't work starting about 1997, and it was they couldn't pay the rent for the last five months. These, this trust has not had income for two years. Now, we were getting heat from the ABC. We let it lie for a while to try to see if we couldn't uh, calm everybody down and, and find a good operator, and hopefully a gay operator. But the ABC was pressuring me. I got pressure from the ABC, get this thing done, or we're going to administratively withdraw it. That's why we're here today. And under the uh, 23958, and I believe that's your city attorney over there, uh, there is a time, there's a time frame on this particular uh, PCN aspect you know, under the code. It's state code. It's, it, uh, there's precedence over city code. So we're just trying to we're just trying to do what was required by the ABC. We want to reach out to the community. There has obviously you wouldn't have uh, an even amount of people for and against it if there hadn't been outreach to the community. So they uh, wouldn't be here this morning at nine o'clock. So again, is is your client is the owner willing to come and appear before the committee? I my client is not here. He's uh, in he's involved in some other thing upstate. So. Uh, I will speak to him and ask him, but uh, we will not agree to a continuance of this matter just because of the time constraints and the ABC telling us, get this thing done or we will administratively withdraw. Well, if you were mentioning the code and you talked about Business and Professions Code uh, 23958, that section of, of the code also says that in the context of reviewing this kind of application, uh, government must, and I quote, investigate all matters connected uh, with the application which may affect the public wealth, public welfare and morals. Um, I think that the issues that have been raised in terms of the interaction between this property owner uh, and the LGBT community are issues that, that are relevant and that, that should be considered by, uh, by this body. Thank you. Uh, Supervisor Alagi. Uh, yeah, I think we have um, a liquor license transfer before us and 
there's a lot of information that we didn't have. And you can sit down, Mr. Lenny. That's fine. Uh, that we didn't have. Actually, we're, we're uh, still on public comment now, so did you have Oh, okay, no, 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 it can wait. Oh, no, okay. No, okay, let me just ask, is there, is there any additional public That's comment? Okay. Uh, yes, ma'am, if there's, if you want to. Yeah. <coughs> if you, if you, if you want to make public comment, uh, come up and uh, state your name and, and, and you have two minutes. Thank My you. name is Colleen Meharry. I own Urban Group Real Estate. I was the agent that negotiated some of the deals between John Nicotopoulos and some of the, the uh, people that were to purchase it. There were people from all walks of life that wanted it, but primarily John was dealing with uh, Mike and Alex for about the last year, year and a half. I came on at the very beginning of that negotiation. The biggest problem that happened was that both of them were not using an agent. They were negotiating between each other, and I was a consultant for Mike and Alex to help them to come up with ideas and whatever, and to make um, a deal between the two of them. As time went on, they got nowhere. They just kept fighting back and forth. And the big issue was the amount of money that it was going to cost to refurbish the Eagle because it was trashed, gone. And the people who had been in there before had, in my, I use this word, they sucked the liver out of the building because it was just collapsing. So what happened was about a year into it, say starting about last um, January, February, March, January, February, right in there, John Nicotopoulos called me and asked me, he had Googled my name and said, I, if I had known you were consulting with him, I'd have asked you to help me earlier. I'd like to do a deal with these guys put them both together, we had two meetings. And at the end of two meetings, we had come to a purchase agreement and we had come to a lease term. Do you want, is this? That means you have 30 seconds left. Okay, we'd come to lease terms. And what happened was they started to go back and forth on arguing final bits of the lease. And they got very angry with each other on both sides. There was a lot of fighting and what happened was no decision was ever come to as far as signing any agreement with Mike and Alex. And at the very last minute, Mike and Alex said, okay, we'll just sign the. Thank you, Supervisor Campos. Just a quick question, you yes. know, um, and I don't know the specifics of, so what is your role with respect to the current deal that's before us? Well, because also the, uh, after this, I started working with John Nicotopoulos and was working with them with the gentleman that came in and wanted to purchase the Eagle. And the, and the criteria, the only thing that was different on these offers was that they were willing to do the money that it took to put the condition, put the condition of the building back into shape that was the terms all along of any of the negotiations that were going on with anybody that was trying to purchase it. The gentleman that spoke earlier that said that that was his terms for his client, and it was just too prohibit prohibitive at that time for his client to be able to come to those terms. That's what he was asking for all along during all the ne negotiations. So uh, this is interesting. So were you representing the two different sets of parties that were negotiating with the property owner? Not at the same time. I was representing the first group that had asked me from a year and a half ago to try and get a hold of John Nicotopoulos, which I had a hard time getting a hold of them. And, and reaching him. And so that's when 
they themselves went and contacted him. And he was talking directly with them, and I was a consultant in the background, sort of working with them to, to try and make a deal with John. So that deal fell through. That deal fell through. That deal fell through because they didn't want to uh, do, the do the agreement the way John wanted it. What happened was the, they signed the agreement at the, probably between the time that the agreement was given to them to sign and for John to sign and when it finally actually got signed was somewhere between six weeks and a month, maybe even longer. And they were still arguing about terms and conditions. John Nikotopoulos said, that's it, I'm not going to negotiate with them anymore. I'm, I'm done. And he went off and started talking to other well, people. Thank you. Yes. Thank you. I, I do note, though, that this is, I, I've never heard of something like this where someone represents one party and then turns around and represents the other party. I'm not. I'm not. That's, that's interesting. I missed, no, I didn't say that. Thank you. Thank you. Is there any further public comments? Seeing none. Public comment is closed. Okay, uh, colleagues, uh, any comments? Supervisor Lagi. Uh, well, I mean, I think uh, basically, uh, I, I don't think we need to continue this item any further. I think I'm ready to, we can vote today on whether to de deny the license or not, right? I, I, I mean, I don't see the point to continuing I, the item. Supervisor Kim, through the chair. I was going to suggest <coughs> that we continue this item, um, mainly because I don't think that any neighborhood outreach or community outreach has been done and I want to afford um, the, the lessors an opportunity to do that. Um, normally when we get uh, liquor license transfer, transfers in neighborhoods, and I understand that this is for the public necessity and convenience of an entire city, but in any neighborhood bar, they always do outreach in the neighborhood and community. I usually get letters of support um, from neighbors that they don't know, not just your friends that you've worked with, but actually folks that live in the neighborhood in terms of the outreach plan and also what the actual business plan is, which I actually haven't gotten a firm sense of in this hearing either. Um, no sense of what the security is going to look like, no sense of how they're going to make sure that the neighborhood becomes safer, issues of lighting, um, floor plans. I mean, these are all things that I regularly ask, whether it was Club OMG or Target, and these are things that I'm usually provided much in advance of a hearing, and none of those things were things that I saw today. Hmm. I think there's a lot of process and procedure that hasn't occurred. Um, and I, I just want to make clear, this is not an issue of whether the owners have to be LGBT or not. And I, and I'm really quite sure why that issue continually came up from those that were supporting this. Um, and I also want to say that I was a little offended. I've attended the Eagle as a street person. I've always felt very welcome there. So to imply that a new ownership um, would be more open than the Eagle, I, I'm, I was a little conflated by that. I've attended the Eagle many times. I'm very straight. I've always felt very welcome there. Um, <laughs> in an LGBT establishment. And I also want to say that there's also diversity within the LGBT community that I think that was a little kind of blown over throughout this whole conversation. There's a big difference between Badlands um, and, and the Eagle versus the cafe. I mean, there's, there's just a diversity within the LGBT community that I think has to be acknowledged as well. So I, I just don't want to simplify that argument. But that's not what the liquor license transfer is about today, at least for me. Um, for me, as the neighborhood supervisor, I mean, I need to see that outreach has been done. Um, I need to see support in the neighborhood. Um, this isn't Market Street. 
between like first and fourth where I think a lot less outreach needs to happen because it's a much more office um, commercial district. Um, I, I just think that um, this, is, this is very much a neighborhood. There's definitely residential in this area. There's also a number of other small businesses in the area that could be, um, that could have outreach done with them. Uh, I, so, I mean, for that reason, I was gonna motion to continue. And I'm more than happy to give a list of folks that the applicant can um, do outreach with, um, whether it's the Western Soma Task Force, um, the Milk <coughs> Club, there are just many groups in, that have a stake, I think, in that neighborhood and what that neighborhood um, wants to look like. And I think that that's a fairly common process um, with any of the businesses that come in. Um, even those that aren't applying for a liquor license, even companies uh, like our tech companies and other small businesses typically do a lot of outreach and also spend time getting to know the community that they're moving into to really gain an understanding of that history and then include it in the plan that they present before the board. Um, whether it's a commitment to doing the beer bash on Sundays, which I actually heard that the lessers weren't um, willing to commit to. I, I just think there are a number of things that can be done that can really honor um, also the legacy um, of this business A, and there's a lot of explanation that needs to be done in terms of how this is gonna serve the neighborhood, um, how it's gonna keep the safety in the neighborhood, and, um, and just a, a lot of other questions that I have about traffic and, and those sorts of things. And the, and the last thing that I'll say is that, you know, <clears throat> folks that came out in support said that if we don't allow this to move forward, that the site is gonna be vacant, as if it was on the Board of Supervisors <coughs> to ensure that the space become occupied. From my understanding the past year and a half, it's the landlord that's refused to occupy the site, not the Board of Supervisors. Um, we've encouraged the landlord to reach out to a number of different parties that were willing to open the Eagle immediately. In fact, the previous um, set of less um, ne negotiating party I know had come to us back in March and April, you know, hoping to opening the venue in two weeks after they had met with us. And I was actually the one that cautioned them to make sure that they went through the process of meeting with the neighborhood and doing all of that work that we can't just rush the opening. But they were very ready to open the space months ago. And so I, I just, I think that that, that needed to be said. Um, last thing, I, I do have some questions about this upgrade from a license 47 to 48. Um, I'm not as familiar with that process, and so, I mean, that's another reason why I'd like to have this motion to continue. I'm actually really surprised that you can pay $100 and just change a license. I mean, there is a big difference between a restaurant license that serves food, wine, and beer, and, and, and a license that serves liquor, and is really a bar license, a 48, and that you can pay $100 and just change that. I mean, I, from my understanding, we, um, have to take careful considerations of the number of 47s and 48s that are A, within the city of San Francisco, but of course within any neighborhood to make sure that there isn't a saturation um, of either one or other and that we have a proper mix. Um, and so I, I do have a number of questions on those things and hopefully um, through the continuance we'll um, be able to, to answer that. But I, I do expect a lot, of, a lot more community outreach before we're able to do this transfer and, and that would be my motion. A motion to continue. Would that be the next meeting of this committee is September 10th at 10 a.m. So, Supervisor Kim, is that a motion to continue to September 10th? I was going to make a motion to continue to the call of the chair because I don't know the agenda um, for for this committee, um, but I'm happy to make it for September 10th. I know the chair is not here today. I guess my recommendation would be to make it to September 10th. Um, uh, just so it is on calendar. Mm -hmm. um, I think that that would provide about five weeks, um, that's a time period during which a lot of information can be uh, gathered. And I'm happy then to make that motion to um, Monday, September 10th. 
Okay. Uh, Supervisor Loggi. Uh, yeah, I think, I mean, I, I would rather just vote on this today. I think there's plenty of um, arguments that have been given to uh, deny the license transfer, actually. So I would rather just move ahead and do that today. But if folks are uh, more inclined to continue it, that's fine. I think there's been plenty of time to do outreach. There's been plenty of time to do all the things that Supervisor Kim mentioned, none of which have been done. So I'm ready to just deny the transfer today, but you know, I'm gonna respect whatever the rest of the committee chooses to do. Um, I think that um, a lot of the issues that came up really aren't within the purview of, this, of the license. I think that um, the uh, Eagle has been um, a real um, a community uh, space for people of the LGBTQ community. And I think it goes outside of, you know, well, everyone's welcome, it's all good, whatever. I think that people still do need uh, places where they can uh, be who they are and experience um, you know, the, um, I don't know, just meet people who have the similar interests, who share a similar lifestyle. And I'm not saying that any, I think most people, I've talked to a lot of people who are straight, who are part of a lot of other orientations who feel very welcome at the Eagle, go to the, um, you know, events there. But I think that uh, what we're talking about here is a preservation of a culture within San Francisco that a lot of people are feeling very, um, that we're losing our, our culture here in, in San Francisco. Um, gentrification is something that um, hasn't been mentioned, but it, there is even a lot of gentrification in terms of uh, a lot of the uh, queer uh, uses, I think. So I, I think that this is, but this is an issue that again goes into, I think, more or less other, ish, other areas. So I know that there have been uh, conversations started about uh, the preservation or the creation of um, uh, leather uh, districts based on cultural significance, uh, Filipino <laughs> areas in the south of market based on that also, and Japantown, we've been struggling with how to uh, do that legislatively. So I think that that's part of a bigger discussion of how do you keep, uh, I think we feel like there's a part of, some of us at least it feels like we're losing some of our culture here in San Francisco. So, and that's not to exclude anyone, but um, I think that the Eagle has always uh, been um, symbolic. Um, you know, years ago there was the I-beam on hate. I used to go there all the time and then that's gone. Every time I look up at the condos, I lament it, you know, which is kind of pathetic, but if I look up, oh, I used to go to the I-beam, you know. Um, so uh, the tea dances and whatnot in the, in the 80s, so I'm dating myself and that's fine. Um, you know, so I think it's just a bigger conversation that's really not maybe appropriate to the transfer of a liquor license, but I think that that's why people are so passionate about this issue is because people don't want to lose another source, another cultural space. You know, we've lost a lot in the past <coughs> two decades and I think we're just reluctant to give up another one. I think that's where some of this is coming from. Uh, but again, um, if people want to continue it, that's cool. Well, I'm, I'm, welcome, I'm happy to, but I, I really don't support continuing it. I'd rather just deny the license today. Supervisor Campos. Thank you, Mr. Chair. Uh, again, I want to thank all the members of the public on both sides of, of this issue who've come out and, and uh, spoken <coughs> to us. Um, and let, me, let me just make, make it clear that for me, uh, this issue is not about questioning the commitment, the sincerity, the integrity of the people who are proposing to move forward with this license and application. I, I, uh, I have no reason to doubt 
the, the comments and the commitment that has been made uh, and I think the sincerity with which it comes. It's not about, you know, what the sexual orientation of whoever takes over this establishment is. Uh, it really is about whether or not uh, whoever takes over is going to work with the community as a whole and with the diverse communities that we have in San Francisco in a way that, that meets the objectives of uh, what the, the codes that are relevant here uh, lay out. Uh, we, at the end of the day, have to decide whether or not uh, the, the uh, transfer uh, will serve the public convenience or necessity. The way in which this matter has come before us, uh, it's, I think, very incomplete. Uh, the, the resolution is written uh, uh, from the context of transferring a Type 48 license. Uh, I know that we had representations that there was an upgrade at some point. I don't really know legally when the upgrade actually becomes effective and, and the fact that we don't have someone from ABC right now to tell us if the, uh, if the upgrade happens when the request is made, when the money is paid, or is, does it happen when this body, uh, the Board of Supervisors, acts? I don't really know legally what the, 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 the right uh, uh, description would be. So I don't know that legally an upgrade has actually been made from a 47 license to a 48 license. Maybe it has, maybe it hasn't. I also think that once you have a transfer from 47 to 48 implicated, that there are other policy issues uh, that, that have to come into play. Is it in the uh, uh, convenience and the necessity, the interest of this city to allow uh, 47 licenses that are very limited in scope in terms of what it's used for to be transferred uh, into a 48 license. And what is the code, not only the local uh, law, but also the business and professions code and other state law uh, that's, a, that's applicable here, what do they say about that transfer? I think that there are a number of questions, and, and I think that because of those questions, I actually think that there is enough on this record uh, for this body to conclude that the applicant has not met the legal threshold of actually demonstrating that it is in the public convenience and necessity to approve this license. So I do think that, that the, as a lawyer, my view is that based on this record alone, there is every reason and every basis to deny the license. That said, uh, I do think that, you know, we have to give a lot of deference to Supervisor Kim, and, and I do want to acknowledge Supervisor Kim and her staff because they have truly gone out of their way to, uh, to make sure that this is handled in a manner that is fair uh, to everyone involved. And, and as a district supervisor, uh, I am really uh, amazed and shocked that, that the, the, the supervisor's office, the district six supervisor's office has not really been approach and engage in the way that you would expect someone to do that. Uh, and quite frankly, it doesn't bode well in terms of what it says about the commitment uh, uh, of these players uh, to the future operation of this establishment. It doesn't bode well for that. And, and you know, to the extent that we are having people here who have themselves acknowledged that the process of outreach has been inadequate and at the same time say, but we want you to approve this license today without recognizing that, that there might be a benefit to continuing this matter. The fact that they're willing to say, we haven't done everything we needed to do, we acknowledge that, but we still want you to act today. 
that also doesn't bode well for the commitment. Because even if the right result is to have this license transferred, I don't know, I don't think that the basis for doing so is here today, that you're not going to even acknowledge the need to take the time to actually engage the community before action is taken here is really troubling to me. And I also have to say that I personally, I personally, given the questions that have been raised about the, the way in which the owner of this property has engaged with the LGBT community, I personally, I think it's important for me to hear directly from that owner. And I really believe that it's appropriate for this body to say that if you want the Board of Supervisors to approve anything that you are proposing, it is appropriate as we're vetting that proposal that we hear directly from you. And so I expect that if that approval is really something that he wants, that he will come and speak to us directly. And I am not prepared to move on anything until and unless that happens. I have to say, I was sort of shocked by many things in this proceeding. Uh, I don't know who the, the other parties that were negotiating with this owner were, uh, but as an attorney, I certainly would be interested to see that uh, the same person who was working with me, uh, speaking of those parties, is now <laughs> representing the, the people that, I guess, eventually got the deal, if you will. I don't really see that happen very often. Usually there are, you know, uh, very clear guidelines that the law provides in terms of how you can interact with different parties that are negotiating from the state property. Uh, I imagine those parties are looking into the legal questions that are raised by that. But in any event, I think that there is a basis here for denial, but I also think that what Supervisor Kim has indicated, there is a benefit to that. And if we do go down the road of a continuance, that, that there is truly an effort and a willingness to negotiate and to, and to, and to deal with the community in good faith. I think that's all what this, all that this community is asking for. Thank you. Uh, thank you. I have a few comments and then uh, I'll uh, recognize uh, Supervisor Kim. Um, uh, just, you know, as an initial matter, I've, you know, I think one of the issues that I've worked on very, very extensively is uh, preserving and improving uh, San Francisco's uh, nightlife. I've worked very hard on it. I was the supervisor who asked for the economic impact study that uh, uh, showed that nightlife contributes $4.2 billion a year uh, to our economy in addition to the immense cultural benefits. I'm, uh, I've been very vocal in raising questions about the Western Soma plan because I think it will undermine uh, nightlife along 11th Street and in the Western Soma uh, area. Um, so I am absolutely passionate about having great nightlife. And uh, as uh, someone who's worked on nightlife and as a gay guy who's been going to gay bars, um, I'll admit it, before I was legal, um, I, uh, um, I, I am completely passionate about um, our community's uh, nightlife and cultural institutions. I also, um, you know, all these different, the different bidders and suitors who wanted to take this over and keep it as the eagle, I stepped up and tried to help each and every one of them. Uh, Mr. Munzer referred to Mr. Frazier from Dallas. I spoke with him on the phone. I tried to help him. I don't know why, it didn't work. Um, I tried to help uh, uh, Mike Leon and Mr. Montiel um, as the Supervisor Kim, didn't work. Um, so I, I, I get it and uh, I have uh, worked very hard to try to keep the eagle open 
and then to uh, uh, get it to stay as the eagle. And sometimes as an elected official, you know, we want to view ourselves as, you know, so powerful that we can just make things uh, happen. And, you know, this is one of those frustrating experiences where you try and you try and you think maybe you have some influence and you, you end up having a lot less influence than you actually uh, have. Um, now, with that said, we are in the situation that we're in. I am going to support Supervisor Kim's motion uh, to continue to, sup to September 10th. We'll give an opportunity uh, for the uh, uh, for the uh, new owners to uh, to do outreach for some of the information that has to be gathered, and to come back to the committee uh, so that the committee and the board can make an intelligent decision about the liquor license uh, transfer. Um, I do just want to note that. Um, uh, the new owners, um, or Mr. Spear or Mr. Pugash, uh, I, and I, I said this to Mr. Pugash last week, uh, that sort of stepped in a little bit of cow pie uh, here, because there's a history, and people have been very angry at the property owner. There was some anger at the former owners of the Eagles, who actually took their liquor license out of the premises with them. Um, and uh, I think Mr. Spear and Mr. Pugash um, have not done uh, anything wrong. I think there were timing issues. I think there have been some comments today that I think have been a bit um, unfair. Uh, with that said, community outreach, as Supervisor Kim said, is extremely uh, important. And I am confident um, and request that, uh, that that start happening uh, immediately, working closely with Supervisor Kim and her uh, office. I also just want to note that even though um, there, I, there have been a number of comments today about gay versus straight um, ownership um, about uh, this lessee versus that lessee. And believe me, I am a huge believer in queer spaces and queer ownership um, of, of bars and nightclubs. Um, but that, that is not <coughs> before this board, and frankly, nor would it be legal for it to be before this board. We cannot condition a liquor license based on whether the owner is straight or gay. We cannot condition a liquor license based on we want, we like these lessees better than these lessees. There are certain very defined standards around transferring a liquor license, and that is what the score has to do, because I, I think that there's been some unrealistic expectations set in the community about what is within the parameters of this board's determination. I just want to be very clear um, about that. Um, and I just want to make sure that this license is held to the same standards as other licenses, and that includes community outreach. And so I think it does make sense to have more time to do that. Um, but it should be the same standards. Um, but with that, I, I do, uh, I will be supporting Supervisor Kim's uh, motion. Supervisor Olagi? Yeah, I, I, I will uh, go ahead and support Supervisor Kim's uh, motion also, but I was wondering if we could just uh, continue it to the call of the chair because September 10th is right after the uh, August break, and I'm just not convinced that there's going to be a lot of movement around outreach and all these other things that need to happen. So I when is the next cons meeting after that? 24th, I think. It's the second and fourth Mondays. I'm happy to amend my motion to continue till um, September 24th. Okay, great. That to give great. more time for outreach. Yeah, that's perfect. Okay. That's okay, so that. without objection, the motion is amended. Oh, okay. And then Supervisor Kim, you've been very patient on the <laughs> No, 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 I appreciate that. Um, I, I appreciate the support for the motion to continue. I, I do think that process is incredibly important, um, especially um, in a neighborhood that really is already saturated with liquor licenses. And I think there are a number of things that I'll be considering as we move forward in terms of the type of businesses, uh, the type of business that um, is intended to be a part of this neighborhood. I mean, just, just for a little bit of context, in, in any census track, um, it's usually suggested that there only be seven alcohol-serving venues. Um, yet in this census track, there are 33. 
And so I think that there are a number of questions that I will have certainly in terms of what, what the clientele and the, the security plan and the type of business that you intend to, to move forward. Um, just so you also know in terms of this area, this area, this part of the city has more than double the crime that SFPD already considers a high crime area. Um, SFPD considers an area uh, with 215 crimes, a high crime area. This area has 559 reported crimes. And so I think I'm going to really need to see a really strong security plan. Um, and also, I, I, I think a, uh, an important part of public safety is absolutely community outreach. You want to know the neighborhood, the neighbors that you will be um, residing with. Um, you want to have good relationships with them. I mean, that is part of preventing crime as well, is, is knowing the community that you are going to be a part of. Um, so I think that outreach is, is, essential, uh, is absolutely essential. I, I just want to concur with um, Supervisor Weiner. I mean, what we're discussing <coughs> here is not the least. Um, it's, it's liquor license transfer, and I have a number of concerns just regarding the transfer itself. Um, I really look forward to that outreach. We're more than happy to provide you a list of folks that you can do outreach to um, to gain support in um, and get feedback from. And um, I'm looking forward to what may come before us on September. Thank you. And uh, just one uh, quick follow-up on the saturation issue. That's always a, a relevant and important uh, uh, concern. I do want to note that it's my understanding that uh, the Eagle always had a 48 uh, liquor license for decades and decades and decades. And uh, for as we have a continuing dialogue over the next, I guess it's now seven weeks, um, <clears throat> I just want to make sure people understand that what the saturation argument, it, it's challenging to say, that it's saturated, so we shouldn't have a 48 for these owners, but we should bring the Eagle back and have a 48 there, but that, that's not saturation. And so I, I think that in having that <clears throat> conversation, I just want to make sure we have um, that in mind, just my perspective. I, I, I just want to clarify, I'm not saying that I would not approve because of saturation. I represent a district that is, is saturated. Um, if if yeah. you want to use that terminology, I don't think that's the issue in itself, but I think that when there is this many um, liquor serving um, businesses in the neighborhood, there's, there's a higher level of standard of which you hold the business owners that come into the neighborhood, and you want to ensure that there has been a lot of outreach again, a security plan, all, all, all yeah, of those things that I, I mentioned. I totally agree with you on that. Uh, Supervisor Campos. Thank you. And I do want to say that uh, I, I, I completely agree with what Supervisor Kim is saying. Uh, I think that saturation is a consideration, and I think that in the context of looking at saturation, how the proposed uh, operators are interacting and connecting with the community is a key consideration in terms of looking at the overall public welfare. Uh, and unless they're uh, committed to actually working with the neighborhood, with the community, uh, I think that, uh, you know, the, we could very well decide that it's not in the public welfare to provide uh, a license in one instance. Uh, I do think that how connected the players are to the community is an important consideration, and I'm sure that that's something that all of us will be looking at between now and the time this comes back. Thank you, Supervisor. Uh, seeing no other uh, names on the uh, list, um, colleagues, we have a motion uh, by Supervisor Kim to continue this matter to so the September 24th, 2012 meeting of this committee. Uh, colleagues, can we take that without objection? That will be the order. Mr. Clark, are there any other items on the agenda? No more items on the agenda. Then we are adjourned.